0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dr. Dawn on Careers.
1: And welcome to Dr. Don on careers on Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And by day, I lead career management for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book Switchers How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. And hey, very, very happy 2021 to everybody out there. Woof, we made it through 2020. And boy, am I happy to say that. We're not only excited to turn the page on a new calendar year, but we're also thrilled to be bringing you lots of new content this month on Dr. Dawn on Career. So mark your calendars for every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and tune into Channel 132 for the latest career tips, job search advice, and market updates. And of course, we are here with Dion Simpkins, our engineer, and Dana Cash, our producer, who make this show sound so great and are just A blast to work with. So thank you both for that and happy new year. So as we kick off 2021 with anticipation of starting a new chapter, what can we expect for our careers? And more importantly, what can we do for our careers? If you've been thinking of a change for 2021, well, today's guest has some great ideas for how you can disrupt yourself. Today, we're speaking with Whitney Johnson, the CEO of the human capital consultancy, WLJ Advisors, an Inc. 5000 2020 fastest growing private company in the US. One of the 50 leading business thinkers in the world as named by Thinkers 50, Whitney is an award-winning author, global keynote speaker, and frequent lecturer for Harvard Business School. She has 1.8 million followers on LinkedIn, where she was also selected as a top voice in 2018. An innovation and disruption theorist, Whitney is the best-selling author of Building an A-Team and Disrupt Yourself, Master Relentless Change and Speed Up Your Learning Curve. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers, Whitney. Dawn, I'm delighted to be here. Well, I am so excited to speak with you, and I'm so excited that you're kicking off the new year with SiriusXM 132, because there's so much I want to talk about, and I think our listeners are going to be so incredibly motivated and inspired by, by what we talk about today. So, so your book, Disrupt Yourself, which uh, came out with a new introduction and everything in 2019, is, is so important. And I think even though many people are probably feeling like, hey, 2020 disrupted my life enough, <laughs> um, why is disruption
0: so important to our careers? Because the only way that you're going to have a successful career there's going to always be disruption around you there will always be upheaval around you but the only way you're going to have a successful career is if you learn to disrupt yourself this idea that you're continually reinventing this notion that we're on an s curve of learning which we can talk about in a minute that we have this this imperative inside of us this deep wanting to grow and develop And so in our career, what we will find is if we start to feel stagnant, um, oftentimes we'll say, I've got to do something new. And if we don't go do something new, sometimes we'll be forced to go do something new. And so the way that we can really have a productive career is if we can have in our mind not going to be disrupted, I'm going to disrupt myself. And then think about, well, what does disrupting myself look like?
1: Yeah. And I think this is um, I think obviously it's empowering because because what we felt in 2020 was was external and we felt like this was done to us. But I think the whole goal of disrupting yourself is taking that risk. And and doing it in a way that aligns with with your career. So I, I definitely want to talk about that S curve because it's it's pretty much the central model in your book, and I think really explains what this whole process is like. So can you can you talk briefly
0: about the the S curve and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So the S-curve has been around for a long time. It was popularized by E.M. Rogers in 1962, um, you know, and had been around before that. But basically the idea of an S-curve, and if you take your finger right now and sort of sort of draw a line from your you know, left to your right, and then you do this steep hill, almost like a roller coaster and you get to the top, that's the S curve. And what he did is he said, whenever there's a new innovation, um, it first gets rolled out and initially the growth is really slow, but then you hit the knee of that curve and you accelerate into hyper growth. And then at some point it starts to saturate the marketplace and then the growth tails off. Well, we were using this S-curve at our Disruptive Innovation Fund that I co-founded with Clayton Christensen. And I had this big aha when we were doing it that this S-curve could help us understand how we learn, how we grow, how we develop, that every time you start something new, you start a new job, since we're talking about careers today, you're at the bottom of that s And even though you're growing, you're figuring things out, growth is going to feel slow. And so it can feel like a slog. But when you know that it helps you not get discouraged, then you put in the effort, you put in the time and you start to accelerate into competence. And with this comes confidence um, and engagement. And this is that steep, sleek back of the curve. And then after you've done it for a while, perhaps several years, you're like, you know, I've. I've loved being on this S curve, I've loved this role, but I'm starting to get a little bit bored. I'm not enjoying the feel good effects of learning. And so that growth starts to slow down again. So it was slow and then it was fast and then it was slow again, that's how you grow. And once you get to that top, the thing that we need to do we know it intuitively is that we've got to jump to the bottom of a new S curve and so that we can continue to grow. And it's true for us throughout our life, and it's certainly true in our career.
1: Hey, happy 2021. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Sirius XM 132. We're so excited today to be speaking with Whitney Johnson host of the weekly Disrupt Yourself podcast and the bi-weekly LinkedIn Live, Calm and Miss Chaos. And you can certainly learn more about Whitney at WhitneyJohnson.com. But let's continue talking about this S-curve because I imagine there's associated emotions with it. And as you were even just describing it, Whitney, I was feeling, you know, that at first at the bottom, there's excitement and terror. And, you know, and then as you're climbing up, there's like, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right choice? Is this working out? And then you get to the the top and you're like, wow, I'm finally comfortable, but now I have to move to a new S curve. Um, what, what do you traditionally see as, as you see your clients and others kind of going through this trajectory and how can you, um, you know, what's the psychology behind it? What, what can you do to make sure that, that you're not psyching yourself out at any of these steps?
0: <laughs> Great question. Okay. So at the launch point of the S curve, like you said, there's this amalgam of thrill. You know, you just jumped to a new S-curve. Maybe you were pushed, which may not be quite so thrilling, but you're at the bottom, the launch point. You're about to take off. You're about to do something new. So there's a thrill that comes with starting something new. And there is also the terror um, of what did I do? And also from a psychological standpoint is this sense of this loss of identity, because you you may have been bored at the top of that old S-curve, but you knew exactly who You were, and now you don't know who you are, um, because you're doing all sorts of things that are calling into question your identity. So, from a psychological perspective, it is incredibly uncomfortable. The thing is, is that once you know that, once you have that awareness, okay, this is uncomfortable. I don't know what I'm doing, and this is exactly how I'm supposed to feel. That starts to normalize the experience, and you don't feel like you've done something wrong. It's just, it's new, and that's how that's how it's supposed to be. Um, Then you get into the sweet spot, you put in the effort and the sweet spot is that place where you don't notice it, right? So at the bottom, you're like, I'm so uncomfortable. Now you get to the sweet spot and it's hard, but not too hard. And it's easy, but not too easy. And everything's just working. And so you feel the sense of exhilaration. But if you're not paying attention, you might not even notice that you're there because nothing's going wrong. And so what you want to do when you're in that place is just focus um, and stay focused so that you can continue to gain that momentum. But it is a place where it's really characterized by exhilaration. Then at the top of that S curve, like you said, there's this mix of emotions and feelings because on the one hand, figured it out, done, spike that ball, and you're a little bit bored because you're not learning like you were. And so now you've got what we like to call or I like to call the dilemma. The innovator's dilemma, whether you jump or not, there's risk. And so you have to decide, okay, I'm a little bit bored. What I now need is a challenge. So do I jump or do I find a way to challenge myself so I can push myself back down into the sweet spot? So there's a discouragement at the bottom, sweet spot, there's exhilaration, and at the high end, there's a little bit of boredom.
1: So there's so much I want to unpack in what you just said, because I think there's so many important things and I don't want to miss them. So I, this idea of being comfortable, um, I, I mean, I guess what I'm pulling from this, and this is kind of how I run my own career, is if I'm not feeling a little uncomfortable, I'm not growing. And, and you know, as I say a lot on this show, every time I do something new, I feel all of those those things that most people experience, imposter syndrome and terror and what am I thinking? And this doesn't feel like my identity and all of those things. But in some ways, that's exactly how I know I'm doing the right thing because I'm, I'm following my fear and trying something new and stretching outside of my comfort zone. But certainly um, that's not a very good feeling. And sometimes we misrepresent those feelings for something else. And we, we try and attribute them to something concrete. And so how can people sort of discern if this is kind of the good type of discomfort that's that's really helping me grow? Or or maybe I'm just in a toxic situation or or you know having a, a, a really bad relationship with my boss and that's and something else.
0: Mm. That is such a great question. And, and, and frankly, Donna, that's the question of the lifetime, isn't it? <laughs> How do I know if it's I'm just afraid or if, if it's if it's new? And so one of the things that I would say is because um, you can get to that, that new S curve, that launch point and go, oh, this doesn't feel right. Well, if it doesn't feel right and you're looking at it and you realize you're just scared and you're gonna regret it if you turn back from it. And oh, by the way, um, it's playing where no one else is playing which is one of the accelerants of disruption. You're using your your strengths. Um, you feel alive when you actually do it, when you're not worrying about the fact that you can't do it, but when you're actually doing it, you feel alive and you're starting to gain some momentum those are usually signs that you want to stay there. Um, so what I would say is if there's if there's a sense of, oh, this doesn't feel right, but you can just feel inside of you that you're walking away of it from it because you're scared, then you have got to stay exactly where you are. For me personally, I usually know when it's the right thing, even though I'm scared, is I just start to see these possibilities open up and I get sort of gentle with myself and say, I know I'm scared, but I'm really excited about this. So I just, I need to keep going and recognize that that fear is uncomfortable. There might be shame involved as well. And you sort of say, nope, move it aside, this is, this is in line with my purpose. This is in line with the bigger things that I want to get done in life. So I need to just not pay attention to the anxiety or the fear that I'm feeling and proceed forward.
1: I think that's so insightful. I think that we ought, we have to stop and reflect, which is something we rarely do these days because we always have a computer in our hand. <laughs> <to show ourselves. laughs> and so we don't take that time to reflect. I think something else that helps me is every time I'm scared of something, I'll I'll tell a friend or somebody who knows me really well. And, you know, they basically slap me upside the head, Whitney, and say, have you lost your mind? Of course you can do that. What are you thinking? And so I do think you know, having that external support to check in with somebody who knows you, knows your your skills, um, and can tell you that you know you're you're just <laughs> you're just being a little bit afraid, and of course you're gonna nail that. Every time somebody has told me that they were they were right, and six months in, I was I was kind of chastising myself for for not believing in myself. But it's it's very common and I think we all go through it. And I don't know if, if in your research and what you do, if, if there's gender differences in that or other things that contribute to those feelings.
0: Yeah, oh, great questions. Okay, two thoughts. First of all, we all need truth tellers. And one of the things I have learned by hard experience, (laughs) my truth teller happens to be my husband and increasingly increasingly my children. When I start to shy away from something that I want to, I I should be continuing down the path or ought to, my husband will call me on it. And when I want to do something that I think I must do is so important, I must be on this S-curve. He says, "Uh, I don't think so. I have learned to pay attention. And so if we have truth tellers around us that we can trust, they're gonna help us know when to stay on an S-curve and when to hop off, whoever those truth tellers are. Now, your question, Um, gender, yes, absolutely. One of the things that I have noticed is that when women are at the launch point of the S-curve, we tend to be further along than we think we are. And that's because from a research perspective, women are judged on track record and men are judged on potential. So we are usually a lot further along than we think we are. And on the flip side, what you will have happen is that at the high end of the curve, women are reluctant to jump to a new S curve because we think we're not ready. We need to know everything. You know, women don't apply for jobs unless they have 100% of the credentials and men, Gender-wise, typically are like, oh, I've got 70%. I'm willing to jump. So uh, in general, women tend to not be as far on the S-curve as they think they are. They're, They're further along than they think they are, and they're more ready to jump than they think they are. Mm-hmm. Hey, who
1: is your truth teller out there? If you're listening to the show, who is the person who can nudge you and say, of course you've got this. If you can't identify somebody that might be a great first goal of 2021 is to start discussing your goals with your truth tellers and check out your assumptions. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. For more great tips, and advice, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham and LinkedIn. And today we are so excited to be speaking with Whitney Johnson, who has several books, is the host of Disrupt Yourself Podcast, as well as a bi-weekly LinkedIn Live, and can be found at WhitneyJohnson.com. So there's something else, uh, Whitney, that I wanted to pull out from what you said just a few minutes ago, and it, you called it the innovator's dilemma. And when I read this in your book, it was one of those, those phrases you read and it really causes you to stop and, and almost have like a mini uh, panic attack before you have an epiphany, but it was whether you innovate or not, you risk downward mobility. I I have just found that to be uh, so profound. So can you explain what you mean by that a little bit deeper and how it relates to disrupting
0: yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So So if you go back to this idea or not go back to, let's talk about the idea of loss aversion. It's, you know, Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. And so one of the things that happens is let's say you're at the top of an S curve and you say, I don't want to jump. I'm just going to stay where I am. Well, we all know that you can't stay at the top of a mountain forever. Um, You're going to have to come back down the mountain and get food. Um, and, And so if you don't willingly go down off the mountain, then you might get pushed, you know, this plateau that you think you're on could quickly become a precipice. And so one of the things that we think is we think we can stand still, but in fact, we can't. And so so that's where th- there's risk whether we stay or not. So one of the things that I, or whether we jump or not. So one of the things that I think about is this idea of loss aversion, where we, it's too, we, the gain has to be 2.2 times greater than the loss. And so when we're at the top of an S curve or on the wrong S curve, and we know we need to jump, but we're afraid to, most of us are not incentivized by saying, "Wow, if I go do this new thing, it's going to be so exciting. Look at all the opportunities I have." Well like, no, I'll stay here. Even if it's not good, we'll stay here because it's comfortable. So one of the ways that we can motivate ourselves is say, what am I going to lose if I stay right where I am?" And that, I know for me, is certainly very motivating. What am I going to lose if I don't actually go look to do the next thing that I'm going to do? I might get bored, I might start to check out, I might try to dial in my work. And if I do that, will I end up losing my job because I'm underperforming? So play out that what will I lose? And that sometimes is what gives us the incentive we need to actually do something different. If motivating ourselves by exciting things could happen doesn't quite work
1: such a fan of loss aversion. I cover it in my book Switchers as well, because I think it, it honestly rules our life much more than we realize when, when I mean, pretty much every decision. And I think once you understand it, that, that you tend to um, give losses more credit than gains, and you understand how it impacts your choices, then you can be, aware as you do make new choices, how it's playing in. But I I like in your book too, you talk about people who are promotion focused and those who are prevention focused. And I think this has to do with, with taking risks as well. Can you, can you describe what you mean by these two um, titles?
0: Yeah. So this is the um, work of uh, Heidi Grant and Tori Higgins, and it's very similar to loss aversion. Um, This idea of, okay, am I promotion focused? Like what exciting things going to happen if I go do this new thing if I, if I get a take on a new project, take on a new role, um, you know change jobs entirely. Um, Some people are motivated by promotion, but it's a fairly small percentage of the population. More of us are motivated by prevention focused, but because we're generally aspirational, hope-filled people, we try to focus on the promotion when that's not exactly what motivates us. And I'll give you a very simple example. If I am preparing for our interview today, let's say Dawn, and I say, oh, if I prepare, it's gonna go so well, that actually doesn't motivate me. What does motivate me is what if I get on air with Dawn and I don't know what to say? I am going to be embarrassed. That is going to feel terrible. I want to prevent feeling uncomfortable or embarrassed on air. So I'm prevention focused. That gets me to prepare. And it's the same. It's also true with our careers when we're thinking about if it's time to make a change. And all of you who are listening, you know it. If it's time to make a change, you can feel it. So listen to Dawn because she will tell you. What to do next?
1: Yeah, no, I, I really, um, I love that because now as I think about all of my choices, I'm like, wow, I am definitely am more <laughs> prevention focused when when I do something. I mean, it works for me. I think you have to find what works for you, whatever uh, promotes you to stay motivated and move forward. But it definitely is such an interesting way to think about how we make choices in the world because. Um, all of these factors are going in. And as a licensed psychologist, I love all of these psychological processes that drive humans to make decisions, make choices. And uh, I'm loving that we're talking about this. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Dawn on Career Series Exam 132. We are here with Whitney Johnson, who is a best-selling author of Building an A-Team and Disrupt Yourself, Master Relentless Change and Speed Up your learning curve. Of course, we're talking about how you can disrupt yourself in 2021. So if a career change is in your future, maybe you don't know, maybe you're thinking, maybe this is a good year to make a change, but I just wanna get my footing and and figure that out first. And you, you are figuring that out. well you are going to want to read this book because it gives you lots of ways to toggle between those two and come to a decision that makes sense for you. And that book is Disrupt Yourself, Master Relentless Change, and Speed Up Your Learning Curve. So uh, Dana, I think we have some mailbag questions that we want to get to. So can you pick one for us? Yes, I have one pulled up from Ryan in Illinois. Ryan says, Dear Dr. Dawn, I listen to your show often and have a question related to making a career switch. Over the past year, I've become really interested in reading about entrepreneurs and find myself wanting to start a company of my own. At this point, I don't really have an idea, so I thought getting experience working in an early-stage startup is a better place to start. While I don't live in California, opportunities for remote work are everywhere now, so I don't think that I don't see that as a barrier it once was. Although I see new companies pop up every day, I've been working in large global organizations and operations focused roles for the first 15 years of my career and continue to get overlooked since I don't have startup experience. But how can I get startup experience without getting hired by a startup? Wow. So, okay. Thank you, Dana. There's so much to unpack in here. Um, And Whitney, I'm going to tap into your expertise because I know you're, you're an entrepreneur and you've uh, got a lot of experience in this. And I think there's a couple of things in Ryan's question. So first off Ryan wants to be uh, an entrepreneur at some point and is looking at, at joining a startup as an entree, I guess for those people, let's kind of tease that apart for those people who may be thinking 2021 is my year to to go out on my own and start my own business. What is your advice for them, Whitney?
0: (laughs) All right. So first of all, um, one thing I would say to you all is if you, um, if you know it's time for you to do something new and you don't, I actually have this hypothesis, having been fired myself at one point, is if you know it's time for you to go and you don't, the universe will probably end up giving you a nudge. So just be aware of that everybody, as you're listening and, and, and thinking and processing is. Um, What I would say is if you decide that you want to, I, I love his, his thought of, okay, I'm not gonna necessarily go start a business right now, I'm gonna test. Um, working in a startup is a very different world from working in a large organization. And you might decide that you love it and you might decide that you hate it. So I love this idea of testing it before you actually take that leap to start your own business. Um, As you're trying to answer that question of how do I get someone to hire me when they want me to have experience beforehand? A couple of thoughts come to mind and um, this might be a good time, uh, Dawn, to introduce our framework of personal disruption. Should we do that first and then answer the question? What do you think? Yeah,
1: so why don't we save that for after the break cuz we're we're getting close to break and then we can use Ryan as a uh, as a case study for it. <laughs> Do you which is what we do if Ryan was on the phone and and uh, we we pressure him into giving us lots more information. But I love that idea. So um, hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Dr. Don on Careers on Sirius XM 132. Happy 2021. We are so excited that we are turning the page on the calendar. We're so excited that you're here with us on Sirius XM. If you want to stay current, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham or LinkedIn and be sure to subscribe to Dr. Dawn on Careers on iTunes or ACAST to catch up on the more than 250 episodes you may have missed. Oh, So we have to go to a break, but I'm, I'm so excited to come back because we are going to be talking about Ryan's question. We'll We'll introduce it briefly again, and then we're going to continue speaking with Whitney Johnson, who's the CEO of the Human Capital Consultancy, WLJ Advisors, speaking about her book, Disrupt Yourself, Master Relentless Change and Speed Up Your Learning Curve, which quite frankly, Whitney, I believe was written ahead of its time. So I'm excited for that. And uh, you stay on the channel because we will be right back. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers. On Business Radio. Welcome back to Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. It is a new year, and we are so excited to be here with you every Thursday at noon Eastern, sharing great career advice, tips, and ways for you to be successful in 2021. So, we are so excited today to be speaking with Whitney Johnson, who has many accomplishments to her name. Um, uh, Just to name a few, she's written several best selling books. And we are talking about one of those today, which is Disrupt Yourself. And we are talking all about how you can do that for 2021. So before the break, if you're just tuning in, we were talking about the central model, which is the S-curve. And um, Whitney, you talked about what the S-curve was, but I'm wondering now, I know you've applied it to your own career and your own life. So I'm wondering if you could share with us how that worked in your life, just to give people an example of what it might look like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So just to be clear, I didn't know that I was doing this initially, right? It was intuitive and then you later find a mental model that explains the experience that you're having but I graduated from college and I had studied music. I moved to New York with my husband so he could get his PhD at Columbia. And um, as uh, you know, we, had, we needed food on the table, someone had to work, it turned out it would be me. Well, I had majored in music. So what am I gonna do for my job? And I didn't wanna do music. And so I ended up working and starting, working on Wall Street as a secretary, uh, working for a stockbroker. And I um, did that every day for several months and heard people, you know, opening up new accounts saying things like throw down your pom-poms and get in the game. And I was a cheerleader in high school, initially offended by it, but finally realized I need to throw down my pom-poms and get in my game. And that was really the beginning of me disrupting myself and basically jumping to an entirely new S curve where I was going to, I thought, believed I could have a career on wall street. Fast forward, um, several years and I, um, I'm now an investment banker, my boss gets fired, and I get moved or actually shoved into equity research, um, for those of you who know financial services. And so I was pushed to a new S-curve. And so over the next eight years, I climbed that S-curve, got to the top of that S-curve, was ready to do something new, and um, said to my boss, I want to do something new. He's like, no, we like you right where you are. So I jump to a new S-curve and I become an entrepreneur. At this point, I've now connected with Clayton Christensen. I'm at the bottom of that S-curve for a while, figuring it out, what do I wanna do? Do I wanna become an entrepreneur? Do I wanna start businesses? But then I co-founded the, the investment fund with him, did that with him and his son for about five, six years, get to the top of the S-curve, 2012, disrupt myself again and pivot entirely and move from being an investor and equity analyst to having, writing the book, Um, disrupt yourself, writing the book, build an A-team. And now what I do is I teach organizations how to accelerate their growth by activating the individual. So over and over again in my life, I've moved up an S curve then I've disrupted myself and jumped to the bottom of a new S curve.
1: So what I love about your story, Whitney, is that, um, a lot of people when they come to me and that, you know, they look at resumes or LinkedIn profiles and these, these LinkedIn and resumes all look very, uh, well-crafted, well-planned out, linear careers. And, you know, like somebody woke up one day and decided this was the path I'm going to take. But I think when you dig beneath that, my career included, I've been laid off twice. I was with Arthur Anderson when the whole Enron thing happened, totally disrupted my career. But but I think the hope that comes with that, that I try and, and share with people is that using your word shoved, sometimes we are shoved, into an S-curve and it feels really uncomfortable. But great things come out of that because maybe it was our time to be shoved and we wouldn't have made the change otherwise. So I certainly don't want to minimize because I know the last year has been incredibly difficult. Uh, A lot of people lost their businesses. A lot of people lost their jobs. And Uh, We're certainly in a a very competitive market right now. But I do think that for some people, this may be your wake up call to say, hey, is this my opportunity to really pursue that career I've always wanted to do? Or is this my opportunity to to get out from from this toxic environment and find one that works better for me? So I do want people to, to take a moment and reflect to see if this is an opportunity to maybe get on a new s curve um and i'm sure you've seen that a lot whitney with with your
0: clients and organizations you've worked with oh absolutely i mean what's fascinating is when this kind of event comes this last year and like you said it has been very hard and and many people are struggling and it can be it can be if we choose uh, for it to be a reset that completely changes the trajectory of our lives we have to choose that but it, it because it, it dislodges us from some things that may have been um, seemingly intractable situations now we're dislodged and we get to start over and we we choose we decide that's why it's disrupt yourself like you get to do that
1: and I think as hard as it is, as, as someone who's been laid off, trust me when I say it's like a punch to the gut that just keeps coming. And I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But but I also think that it is really difficult if you don't get that shove to do it on your own when you're in a, a comfortable role that, you know, you've built up your credibility, you're making decent enough money, you've got your benefits, you, you know, don't, Don't foresee any restructuring coming. It's really difficult when you're in that type of situation and you know that in your heart you want to do something else or you know that you're not learning anymore and you're not really growing. It's really hard to make that leap on your own.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, to this topic of of losing a job, I, I know for me, you know, when I lost a job, I mean, I was so devastated, I thought I would never recover. So you're, you're putting an exclamation point behind that is really important. It may be one of the hardest things that have ever happened in your life, because your identity, everything is deconstructed, dismantled. And, and, I can honestly say that some of like getting shoved into equity research, being fired are two of the most important formative things that have happened for me. So, you know, again, we choose. It can be, though, that reset that we all need and want.
1: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sears Exam Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. and. Don't forget, we're here every Thursday at noon Eastern with new material all month. We're excited to turn the page on the calendar, and we're even more excited to be speaking with Whitney Johnson today, who is... Uh, a best-selling author of several books, including Build an A-Team and Disrupt Yourself. She is the CEO of the Human Capital Consultancy, WLJ Advisors, um, an award-winning global keynote speaker, frequent lecturer for Harvard, and just so many more accomplishments. Whitney, we take up the rest of the show if we mention them all, but do check her out at WhitneyJohnson.com to learn more about her. And um, Whitney, if people want to follow your work or find your blog or find your book, where, where can they go? Certainly they can go to your website. Do you have social media handles that they can follow?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Two things I would say is number one, you know, this topic that we're, we're on today of, of changing careers. If you go to whitneyjohnson.com forward slash calm, c a l m, I have a, a, a PDF that talks through, this framework that we're about to talk to in just a minute that went great detail. So if you are thinking at all about wanting to change your career, you can use this as a step-by-step process in order to, to make that change, whether it's changing jobs or just changing a role inside of your organization. So I'd say that's the best place to go, but secondarily you can obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably a podcast listener. So you can find, um, find my podcast. It's disrupt yourself um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And one episode in particular that might be useful is episode 80 titled Disrupt Yourself, not surprisingly.
1: Perfect. So let's get into that framework. And right before the break, we were talking about, we had a mailbag question from Ryan in Illinois, who basically has 15 years working in large global organizations as an operations-focused professional, trying to move into a first or an early stage startup to get some startup experience because he believes that at some point he'd really like to start his own company and this is the way he's testing the waters but unfortunately Ryan's having trouble getting into a startup because he doesn't have startup experience so we we are going to use Ryan's mailbag question as a Uh, model to introduce your framework, Whitney. And hey, if you've got a mailbag question, you can always send it to me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham or through LinkedIn, and we will be happy to answer it. So let's talk about Ryan and your framework, Whitney. Um,
0: Where where do you even start? Yeah. All right. So let me outline the framework really quickly, and then we're going to start to go through it. So um, number one is you want to take the right risks, this idea of playing where no one else is playing. Number two, you want to play to your distinctive strengths. The things that you do well, the people around you do not. Number three, embrace your constraints. So the thing that you think you don't have enough of may be the very thing you need in order to create, to take the right risks. Number four, battle our sense of entitlement. That sense of things should be different or I'm special. Yes, you're special, and so is everybody else. And so, how do we battle our entitlement to move up that S curve? Number five, you step back to slingshot forward. Sometimes you've got to take a step back to take two steps forward. Number six, Give failure its due, the importance of making mistakes and what does that look like? It basically looks like a willingness to experiment and reframe it. It's not failure, it's learning to experiment. And number seven is to be driven by discovery. This ability to take a step forward gather feedback and adapt. So that's the seven steps. And again, that's in the handout that I mentioned, the whitneyjohnson.com forward slash calm calm. Okay, so let's analyze your question, Ryan. Uh, A few things come to mind. First of all, Let's look at accelerant number seven, this idea of being driven by discovery. Take a step forward, gather feedback, and adapt. Think in for a moment about um, this idea of a minimum viable product. What does one small step look like? Not getting a job at a startup, but is there an opportunity for you to go and mentor at a startup and just see if you even enjoy sort of the that experience in your town, you don't need to move. You can find someone who's starting a business who needs help on operations because all startups need help on operations. They usually have a really good idea but they don't necessarily have that operational expertise that they need. And just volunteer a couple of hours, let them pick your brain. See if you enjoy it. See if you like that process. You take that step forward. You gather feedback and then say, well, what question do I have next? So that would be um, the first thing that I would can I, do. Can I tag onto that? Because I, I just think that's so important.
1: And I don't want that to like gloss over people's <laughs> um, you know, ears and, and float away because I think this is the biggest hurdle for, for getting started is obviously the biggest hurdle, but I think we make it even bigger, Whitney, when we we feel like we have to do the whole thing. We have to bite off the whole thing. But when, when you can just ask yourself, what is one thing I could do today? And maybe it's researching something on the internet. Maybe it's reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn. Maybe it's calling a friend who you haven't talked to in a while, but you know, works at a startup or used to work at a startup. I mean, really that builds momentum. And that to me is the most important thing that, that I want to capture out of what you just said, because don't make a mountain out of a molehill and take a small step. Clarity comes through action and that small step will open your eyes to the next action. And that will open your eyes to the next action. So that analysis paralysis is what stops this whole seven step process. And so that's why I wanted to tag into that, Whitney, because I think so critical.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you did that. That idea of clarity or action comes from or action brings clarity, what you said. And I, and I, and cause one of the things that that will help you do is it will help you decide, do I really want to work at a startup or do, or is that fantasy land? So one of the things I used to do when work was really stressful and I was working, you know, 70 hours or 80 hours a week, I'd be like, Oh, I'm just going to stay home, be a full-time, you know, lead parent. And I realized is that? I mean, I love my children, but is this really what I want to do or is this fantasy land that I'm living in? By doing that, take a step forward, gather feedback, being discovery driven. It allows you to test out, do I really want to do this or is this a fantasy that I have that I actually don't really want to do it? You can test it and it's a very low cost way of testing it. Now let's, let's, let's sort of fast forward. You've tested it. You're like, you know, I do wanna do this. I do wanna work at a startup. So some things that I would um, have you think about is this um, number five, this idea of stepping back in order to slingshot forward and also battling our sense of entitlement. Sometimes when we have worked really hard and you worked for 15 years, we all do this. We're like, I've paid my dues. I shouldn't have to do X. I shouldn't have to do this thing that I don't want to do. Um, When we do that, when you're going from, you're jumping from one pond to another, you likely are going to have to take a step back. Um, You take a step back in terms of, The title that you get in terms of possibly it's a pay, the pay that you're going to receive or move, Um, but that's what you do when you disrupt yourself. You take a step back. That's what you do when you build a new business. You invest your cash, you part with your cash so that you can slingshot forward and get an ROI. So think about what does taking a step back look like, whether it's title or pay or hours um, that you have to work in order to slingshot forward, assuming that you've made the decision you want to do that, and going into maybe you want to go into a big startup, you got to start in a small startup in order to get your foot in the door, and so that's step back to slingshot forward and battle our sense of entitlement.
1: And, and Whitney, you- this is where loss aversion comes in because I think a lot of people get really excited about doing something, and then they realize that they're going to lose their identity. Maybe it's their their they have the corner office and they call the shots and they're going to have to lose that or they're going to maybe have to take a slight pay cut or something. And I think that's where this loss aversion comes in. So, so be aware of that because, because loss always feels bigger than the gains and you really have to struggle to flip that
0: and say, yes, yes, that's true. But what am I going to gain? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, so that's, that's the next thing. And, I, and I've got two other thoughts for you. One, the, the one is number one, take the right kinds of risks where you're focusing on creating, not competing. We just had not too long ago on our podcast, who Archambault, who um, is a retired CEO in Silicon Valley. She's on the board of Nordstrom and Verizon. Well, she decided it was time for her to become a CEO in the early 2000s. She's a woman and she's black and we had the dot-com bust. So like she wasn't gonna be a CEO, wasn't gonna be the first candidate. um, Because you had, you know, Silicon Valley was littered with CEOs at that point. So what does she do? She finds um, VCs that she would like to be affiliated with, so wants to have those relationships with. And then she takes a step back because she goes and she finds companies that are failing, that need to be turned around, that no one wants to run. They were backed by venture firms that she wanted to be involved with, but she was willing to play where no one else is playing. She was willing to take a step back in terms of her ego and go run a company that no one wanted to run. And so that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give you is go find a company that not everybody wants to work for, but they need an operations guy. And this goes to my final piece of advice for you. What I would say to you is if you are, no, actually penultimate piece of advice, Given that you're an operations guy, part of what might be happening is you've got to do a little translation, um, help people understand what it is you know how to do and talk about it in a language that they can understand. And then think about how can you solve problems that they need solved? Startups do not know how to organize to get things done and galvanize as they're trying to scale. And if you're an ops guy, you know how to do that. And so they may have problems they don't even know they have. So if you can go in and say, hey, I've noticed you've got X, Y, and Z, and I think I can solve that for you. And I'm willing to do it for you for a month for free. This goes to the discovery driven. Now you can figure out if you want to work for them, you've given them something that they desperately need. And probably in a month, if you've done as good of a job as I think you're going to do, you'll probably have a job.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Such a, such a clear path. And um, Ryan, thank you so much for writing in for Dr. Don on careers. We certainly hope this answered your question, but uh, you can always follow up. And if you've got a question, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And we would love to help you on air, You're listening to SiriusXM channel 132. We are here with Whitney Johnson, who is an innovation and disruption theorist and bestselling author of Build an A-Team and Disrupt Yourself, which is the book that we're talking about today, and how you can use this process to create a great 2021 for your career. So one thing that we've experienced a lot of in 2020, Whitney, was constraints. And you see these as a positive and you you tell people to embrace constraints. Why is this important and how does it catapult people forward in their goals?
0: Mm. Well, nothing actually gets done without constraints. Um, If you think, you know, you you move up your S-curve and you're like, oh, if I had more time or money, then I could really move up that S-curve. But the fact is, is that if there was this postmortem of 200 failed startups and they divided them into funded and unfunded startups, the number one reason the funded startups went out of business is that they ran out of cash. And it was only the number 10 reason for the unfunded startups. So what constraints do is they force you to make decisions. I mean, if you didn't have to finish a paper for school or a project, would you ever finish it? No, we wouldn't finish it. We have to have constraints. And so one of the things that's happened this year for all of us is that we have more constraints than usual. And so it's an opportunity for us to create something. And let me give you one quick example. Um, I was talking to one of my coaching clients not too long ago, and he was telling me about Um, a job that he took and he really didn't like it. It was terrible. Um, And he's just like, what do I do with this? And what he did is he's like, okay, I, I've got this job. I don't like, I'm gonna do everything I possibly can to be successful. And then not too long after that, because he was so into it, he came up with a solution to do the job that he hated doing. He automated it really fast. He then a couple of months later got hired by the very company. Um, that he was, you know, doing part-time work for because he had this constraint, he had to figure out a way to deal with it, he he wrote a program to deal with it, they ended up hiring him, all because he embraced that constraint and used that constraint to become as a tool of creation. It's so true. I think when you when you interview
1: entrepreneurs or you interview people who've come up with very innovative solutions, they always cite some type of roadblock or hurdle that caused them to think of a new idea that became the it idea. And I know a lot of people have actually done that in 2020. They had ideas for business and obviously 2020 uh, created many, many constraints and they use that to catapult the business in a different direction and it turned out being successful in a way that they hadn't really planned. So I think we all have to be watching for those opportunities. Sure, it's a bummer when things don't happen the way we we hope, but we also have to look at there's probably a silver lining that we can take from it and maybe come up with an even better idea. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to SiriusXM at channel 132. We're so excited to be with you with all new content here in 2021, so check us out every Thursday at noon Eastern. Today, we were talking with Whitney Johnson about her book, Disrupt Yourself, something that should definitely be on your to-do reading list if you've not read it already, and we we're talking about how how you can apply these principles to your own career. So one of the things you mentioned, Whitney, in the book is that, you know, when we're no longer emotionally fulfilled in our job, so maybe the pay's there, but we just aren't feeling those psychological benefits. That's that's a really big indicator that this is a great time to disrupt and get on that S-curve. Um, and one of the first things you, you talk about um, in that seven-step process is, is playing to your distinctive strengths. But I get a lot of clients who say, I have no idea what I'm good at, or I have no idea what I'm good at that's actually applicable in the marketplace right now. And I, I, in your book, you have so many good questions that readers can ask themselves. And a couple that I really like are you know, is there something that made you peculiar when you were young? Could it potentially be your superpower? Or what compliments do you repeatedly? dismissed which again i i love that because we do that all the time i would say especially women we we just gloss over them and we don't really think wow maybe that is something we're good at or where do you feel strong and and identifying those places or those projects or tasks where you feel really in control and so i love these these questions that you've come up with to help people really identify their strengths so so how can people um you know use these questions and then kind of catapult into the the next part which is okay i've identified my strengths but, but how do i know if these apply to the market
0: yeah okay great question okay so first of all if you go to podcast episode 120 disrupt yourself i spend an entire half an hour on this so that can help you um so for example compliments that you get all the time that you dismiss um it can be simple stuff for example someone might say to you you're nice and people are like, oh, nice. Like no one wants to be nice. But the fact is, is if someone says you're nice um, and this is in the workplace, you know what they're saying to you? They're saying to you, you're no drama. And we all know that as long as you have a basic level of skills, you can say to people when you go interview for a job, hey, these are the skills I have. But one of the things that people tell me all the time is that they, they like working with me. <laughs> And if I'm a manager and someone says to me, people say they like working with me. I'm probably going to want to hire them. Yeah. And I, I, um, I know we're coming
1: to the end of our time here, but there's so many great tidbits in this book and so many things I want to talk about, but I I couldn't end the show without, without a sentence from your book that you talk about the fact that in order to avoid stagnation, we have to change our environment And, and you write a practical and low cost means of changing your environment is opening up your network. And I will say we, that that's a word we talk about on this show constantly. And I know you're out there listening, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm tired of hearing that word. But but it's the people around you, whether they're your truth tellers or somebody you meet who asks you a question you've never been asked before because they don't really know you very well. These are the the moments that can lead to your next idea to your next disruption to your next career so don't overlook them they are all around us they are constantly uh, at work uh, in our communities so definitely 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 put that on your to-do list for 2021. so whitney it's been fantastic and a pleasure to have you on the show this week kicking off our new year on dr dawn on careers Thank you so much. Where can people, one last time, reach you, learn more about your podcasts and your books?
0: Yeah. So I would say, number one, if you want to go through this framework in detail and analyze your career, you can go to whitneyjohnson.com forward slash calm, C A L M. So calm amidst the chaos. Um, and then if you want to do more work on your strengths, you can go to our podcast, Disrupt Yourself, episode 120, and really do a deep dive on what it is that you do distinctively and uniquely and idiosyncratically and wonderfully well. Fantastic.
1: Whitney, thank you so much. And of course to our listeners and callers and Ryan who wrote in with our mailbag, we are here for you every Thursday in noon Eastern on Dr. Dawn on Career Series XM 132. So welcome to a new calendar year. What is on tap for you in 2021? The possibilities are endless. We can't wait to see what's in store. We'll see you next time.
0: For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.